Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 520. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so happy to have you here today. And I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Rochelle Kitchen. Rochelle's daughter was born three months early, so she walked away from her career in industrial engineering and became an accidental entrepreneur. I'm sure some of you listeners understand how that goes because I am an accidental entrepreneur myself. But Rochelle, I am so happy to have you here. I can't wait to hear more about your story from your mouth because it always comes out better from your mouth than it does from mine. But welcome. Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. I, it is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for extending the invitation. Oh, you are so welcome. I would love to hear more about your journey, though. We were talking a little bit, listeners, in the pre-chat about following intuition and when we know, you know, mamas always know best. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys. We just do. But you quit your job to be at home and take care of your family first and then face some other major life changes. But can you share more with the listeners? Absolutely. Well, I, you know, at 50, I don't mind saying this, I'm 54 now. So I came from that school of thought that, you know, you could bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan and never let your man forget he's a man, right? And so I went into to college for industrial engineering. My plan was to, you know, get married, be the powerhouse in my career, be the awesome, engaged mom and wife. And it just didn't work out that way. So, you know, obviously I got married. I um, it was about four years prior. um, You know, we were married about four years before we got pregnant and expected to have, you know, a non event type pregnancy. And I just didn't. I started to dilate at around um, a little shy of about five months or so, I ended up having to go to the doctor. They stitched my uh, cervix, which was a scary process. Oh my gosh! And I had a great OB. He didn't, you know, my bag was bulging. He he stitched my cervix and didn't break the bag. I spent probably almost not quite four weeks in this position, and I'm probably going to butcher this, it's called Tregnelmer, where you're basically on about a 45 degree angle with your head and your backside up in the air so that there's not pressure on the cervix. Oh my gosh. Um, And so I was, you know, hospitalized doing that. My husband at the time would come, you know, in the evenings and lay on the floor and talk to me, get up, shower, go to work. But they couldn't stop the pregnancy because, you know, the the child from coming because I had an infection in my uterus. And Mm. so we had to get her out of there. So she was basically born at 24 weeks. They were pumping me with steroids, trying to make her, you know, a little bit bigger and her lungs stronger prior to inducing labor. And it was a scary, scary thing, Kim, because, again, you have a vision of how things will play out. And it just didn't happen that way for me. And, you know, to press fast forward on it. She comes, she's 24 weeks, you know, gestation. She spent nearly two and a half months in the neonatal intensive care. At the time, my husband and I both were running for the brass ring in our careers, but I had the sick baby. She had an, she had an apnea monitor. She had oxygen. She came home with medicines as long as my arm. And so I took a leave of absence from my job. uh, And I was off for almost a year and deciding, you know, I needed the money, you know, because medical bills were mounting and I couldn't not work at that particular time. So I thought, okay, I'm going to leave the baby in the care of my best friend, nurse friend and my mother-in-law and go back to work. And it just wasn't working. I mean, there were several things going on. Being an African-American woman in the early 90s in the engineering field. It was very misogynistic. I was working for a boss who had no children, so who had no empathy for what I was going through. And it was stressful. And 
I was usually the one who, if the baby stopped breathing, needed to go to the doctor, hospital, whatever, I was the one with my hands folded and my head in my hands going into the boss's office to explain why I had to leave or why I couldn't be there. And so I felt like I was failing the child because I felt guilty when I was at Mm -hmm. work and not with her. And then when I had to leave, I felt like I was failing my ambition in my career because I, you know, was not living that to the fullest. And it was just stressful. And I remember this day as if it were yesterday. In the company that I worked for, there was another young mom. Her baby was perfectly healthy, but she just, she had a a cool boss, a, a, a female that she worked for. She worked in the purchasing area and her boss allowed her to work from home four days a week. And then there was another gentleman who lived in the city. I live outside of Chicago in the Burbs, and he lived in the city of Chicago proper and chose not to own a car. So he was allowed to work four days a week. But the woman who had the sick baby who occasionally stopped breathing was not allowed to do that. Wow. I was at my wits end, and I will never forget this day. I I just had had it the misogynistic atmosphere, Rochelle, you be the girl to take the notes in the meetings, just all of this stuff was mounting. And I barely made it to the bathroom, crumpled on the floor in the stall. And I was wailing. I literally was covering my mouth to keep from wailing because I needed the job, but I couldn't do this anymore. I'm on the nasty bathroom floor. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. So I pulled it together long enough because I've always had a little bit of a fighter in me and marched into the president's office and just said, look, the way this is happening is not working for me. What can we do? And that's what I mean. I fell into an engineering consulting business from that point forward. It like things happen so quickly, it could have made your head spin. You know, I worked with another coworker and mentor helped me develop a contract to invoice my current company. I ended up picking up a few more, you know, small clients um, in the engineering field. And, you know, I was a business owner. I didn't register with the state. I didn't know the heck I was doing. But, and I didn't even think of it as at the time that I was a business owner. I thought of it, I'm a desperate mom. I need the money to pay off these medical bills, take care of my family and be here for my daughter the way I want it to be. Fast forward again. And and this was the early 90s. Yes, this was the early 90s. So this is like. This kind of stuff didn't happen. Right. In my recollection. So I'm a little bit younger. I'm I'm 39 now. And I remember AOL coming out around 94. It could have been earlier than that. Yeah. But Internet just wasn't there. And it certainly wasn't there as we know it today. Exactly. Now, luckily, I lived about 10 minute drive from my, you know, the physical building where I was working. And my other couple of clients were not far. They were actually suppliers of the company that I worked for. They made medical x-ray tubes. And um, I was part of a team that was actually moving the business from one smaller location into this bigger facility, not far from my home. So I was responsible for laying things out. Um, I was lead engineer in the machine shop and that kind of stuff. And, And here's the thing, Kim, I didn't even like engineering, if I'm being completely honest. I am over here like laughing, not at you. But I don't know if you know that I actually, I went to the school, the Art Institute of Chicago and got my degree in interior architecture. Yeah, I knew you were, you had a degree in architecture. Yeah. And I I moved to New York, got a job, found out I was pregnant and my son was born with a club foot. Mm. So he wasn't, he was born a day late, not, you know, at 24 weeks, but he required daily or not daily, at least once a week appointments Yeah, when he wasn't kicking his cast off his foot. I mean, those weeks required more appointments. This of kid, course. this kid, I don't know how he did it. He kicked himself out of numerous casts. He ended up having to wow. glue them onto his leg. Anyway, wow. I couldn't keep on doing it. Going into Manhattan to work, balancing doctor's appointments, and I wasn't even struggling with like the arm length of medicine like you were. But I just could not do it. I needed to be there for my son. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine that. The, well, you had. A nurse friend and your mother-in-law at the time taking care of him, we were going to have to pay $400 a week for daycare. Okay. I can imagine. I was 23. Like fresh out of college when I got pregnant. I didn't even, and having to take that one day off of work a week because they wouldn't just let me have like an hour. If I was gone for an hour, I got docked a whole day. 
Mm. Yeah. No, I can't do this. So I ended up quitting the job just because it wasn't worth the stress. But oh my gosh, that was so hard. Of course. And, and you can't, something that I learned through the journey, and there are some moms that seem to navigate it beautifully. And God bless them. God bless them, yeah. But I just was feeling so depleted, felt so much shame and guilt when my attention was in one place and not the other. Yeah. And it, it was just sucking the life out of me and I couldn't do it. So like I said, I fell into this business and even that was stressful because now it's my own gig. And, if and I'm you not didn't work- even like the work you were doing. No. And if I didn't, if I wasn't working and billing hours, I didn't get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And again, even in that scenario, I was still the one, if something was going down with my daughter health wise, I was still the one taking the brunt of that responsibility for the care or to show her back and forth to the doctor. Now, it did get to a point where that sacrifice in some ways paid off because my ex-husband was able to really move up in his career. And, you know, we moved to Michigan because we did that for his career for him to move up. And I kept the business. So I picked up, you know, some clients with uh, the city of Detroit, General Motors University. But again, if I'm scheduled to teach an engineering class at GMU and the baby's sick, I couldn't say, sorry, I can't teach today. And it was a constant bickering and fighting with, you know, the ex-husband and I who was going to take off and family at the time was about an hour away. I eventually was able to quit and stay home full time um, once we moved back to Illinois where we had more support. And what a relief. Because like I said, I didn't like what I was doing. I wasn't that typical engineer that you know, I think of the pocket protector, arrogant guys that I was working with. I was the caring, nurturing person who'd be out on the line asking Susie, okay, this is making your wrist hurt. Tell me what's going on. How could, and I'm asking them, she'd worked on the line 15 years. What would be better? How could I make this work better? And that's just kind of how I was showing up. And, and the mode of engineering at the time was not that. It was, I'm going to dictate to you how it's going to go because I'm smarter and I know better, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And that didn't resonate with me. It didn't feel good. I didn't get results that way. Right. Yeah. Well, I I also realized that I didn't like the field I was in. So I took about a year and a half off, but I realized I loved to work. I loved being home at uh, home with my son, but there was always something calling me to make money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we needed it. Yes. But I'm not a sit on the couch and watch TV all all day type of person. Right. And during nap time, I was just going stir crazy. So I went back and got another interior architecture job. I was working at a very prestigious office in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I remember working with a client who was designing the offices for her husband's hedge fund. Okay. And the carpet that she ended up picking out was about $300 a square foot for his office. Wow. And then she asked me to go to Starbucks to get her a coffee. And I was like, wait a second. (laughs) I'm barely being paying the bills and I'm designing an office for somebody with a $300 a square foot carpet and I'm paying for her coffee. Yeah. This is, I am not materialistic. I've never been materialistic. And what type of scenario is this? But my my ex-husband, I don't know if he's still like this, but he was of the mentality of, well, you went to school for this. This is what we're paying for student loans for. So you're going to keep on doing this. Mm-hmm. So long story short, we moved to Ohio. I was designing schools out here. I lost my job when the economy tanked. Mm-hmm. And he went out and bought me a desk and a portfolio and all this other stuff so I could start my own business. Like it wasn't even a choice. Wow. We weren't and moving. I, that had to feel awful knowing oh, that you didn't like that. That's not what was driving you and you really weren't interested in doing it. Oh, I was so not interested in doing it. And I have to say I self-sabotaged myself. I, not intentionally, but when it came to working with clients, there were some I just didn't, I definitely did not perform optimally. And, and that's that's the thing, too, Kim, when we are not aligned with what we value mm-hmm. and not aligned with what we feel is our purpose, 
it is our mind tricks us. It's very clever on how it's going to maneuver us to try to get us back in alignment. And that's where that self-sabotage comes in, even though we're not aware that we're doing it. That's what's happening because we're not aligned with what we value, what we think is important. And that that thing that is our real purpose. When did you find your real purpose? Girl, through the fire. (laughs) So let me fast forward. So we moved back home, you know, from from being in Michigan. I'm the stay at home mom. And again, I'm not the type that was sitting home, you know, watching TV and eating bonbons. So then I threw myself into that role, you know, volunteer extraordinaire. I was at my, you know, kids school and and the PTA this and the president and the treasurer for the state PTA and, you know, treasurer for different referendums and all of that kind of stuff. Love doing it, but I never worked harder ever in my whole life because it never turned off. It was 24-7. You know, volunteer church, volunteer, it was all the time, constant. And over that time, uh, what was happening and unbeknownst to me and the time, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? I was just really kind of giving away my power because two things were happening in the African-American community, at least in my little world, stay at home moms. Like, what is that? Like you somehow were less than or you're lazy, you don't have ambition. Um, So it was kind of frowned upon. And so I I felt like I was always scrambling, trying to show, look, look, see, I'm I'm just not sitting home when, you know, like trying to prove my value, trying to prove my worth. And obviously that was exhausting. Even though I enjoyed the volunteering, I was always doing more, doing more, doing more, doing more. Well, and you were taking care of the house. Exactly. Have you, sorry to interrupt you. No. Have you ever read Worthy by Nancy Levin? I have not. Okay. Listeners, I'm going to put it in the show notes. But I just read it this year. And it's all about and and I'm getting the subtitle all wrong. I wasn't prepared to talk about it. But it's about increasing your self worth to increase your net worth, Mm. which is just an amazing thought. Listeners, by the way, the show notes can be found at the kimsutton.com forward slash pp520. But one of the things that she talked about was women who have internal struggles when it comes to money because their husband or significant other works outside of the home. They're inside the home and they don't feel like they are entitled to the money that's in the account. Mm-hmm. But they are working hard at home so that their significant other can work outside of the home. Exactly. And where comes the point that we can feel justified having income for that money too, you know? And I'm so sorry, Rochelle, we'll get back to this and get back to you in just a second. When I left my ex, actually, I had to call the cops one night because he took away my cell and my my car keys and said that since his job paid it, that he owned it. it. Yeah. And I called the cops because he told me it was was like negative. It was sub zero temperatures, like negative 19. And he told me I had to walk my, I had two boys at the time, one was four and one was seven, that I had to walk the older one to school the next day because he wasn't giving the car keys back. There was no way I was putting up with that. So I called the cops and they said, sir, you've been married for seven years. It's community property. I don't even know if seven years is really applicable. The car was bought (laughs) after we were married. It would be in your best interest to return the car keys. But he never had that opinion. He actually shut me out of the bank account. Wow. And we need to to stop that, either men and women. I mean, in my house, I'm the primary breadwinner. I would never imagine shutting my husband out of the accounts because we're a team. But unfortunately, just it's self-imposed limitations by women sometimes or by men that since they didn't make the money that they're not entitled to it. But it's also just, in my opinion, wrong that the person who is making the money feels like they are entitled to all of it. Get over it. Yes, I totally agree with you, Kim. And that shift did happen in, you know, my marriage when we were both, you know, because at one point I was making more than he was. And then as I started to scale back in my career, he overtook um, my income. And then obviously when I quit and stayed at home full time, he was the breadwinner. And 
in the beginning, he did not have that opinion, or maybe he did and he didn't voice it. But as my income lessened and his grew, then that mindset started to shift. Now, it never necessarily shifted with me. My issue was the judgments that other people were, you know, giving their two cents. Oh, you're just a stay at home mom. And me oh, listening God. to me listening to the lie and the message that I was telling myself in my head that I was somehow less than that I had to prove, oh, no, no, you're wrong. Look at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. We have to get right about that in our own minds and in our own heads. But you had asked me, you know, where where did this shift? What happened? You know, what did I know what my purpose was? And that came because over the years, like I said, I was just giving my power away. Just I was so-and-so's mother. I was his wife, the volunteer that would get, get it done until, you know, the marriage was starting to come apart. You know, my 28-year marriage was starting to come apart. My kids were older, getting ready to leave the nest. And just before I turned 50, I really looked in the mirror and I didn't like that there to excuse me. Hope <laughs> don't want to offend your list. I didn't like who I saw. I didn't even know who the heck she was. And like I said, my marriage was falling apart. So in an attempt to save the marriage, I got into a coaching relationship and I still coach with Mimi to this day. And while it didn't have the desired effect of saving the marriage, it got me in relationship with myself. Would and you it was, say that it saved you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It absolutely did. And it got me so clear on what my path was because through that, I realized that people were always coming to me with their problems, their concerns. Can you help me? Can you give me advice? I was good at it. It was my natural tendency. So that sparked the idea of coaching. And uh, like I said, my coach Mimi had gone to a particular coaching school. So I, you know, checked, checked them all out. And I knew I absolutely did not at 50 want to go back into engineering, you know, with the 20 something straight out of college. I didn't like it then. I didn't want to do it now. And so that seemed like a, a viable path. But what really solidified it for me, my coaching curriculum involves three live weekends, you know, 30 plus hours over a weekend. And on the first weekend of this training, it was about a nine to 10 month training. On the first live weekend of this training, we were given an exercise over lunch to call, actually speak to someone and ask them what inspires you about them, about, you know, what inspires the person about you. And so I gobbled my lunch, you know, being the go-getter. I'm like, okay, I'm going to gobble my lunch. I texted my daughter to say, okay, when I call you, you need to pick up the phone because, you know, at the time, young people don't pick up the phone. They are all into the text. I was like, I need to speak to you. And what my daughter said to me, I get goosebumps every time I tell this story. I told her what I was doing. And she said two things. She goes, mom you have your values. And even when they are in conflict and you struggle with what they are, you live your values. You just live them, mom. And then she kind of got quiet and in this kind of sing-song voice, she said, mom, excuse me, what inspires me most about you is your capacity to love. I was stunned into silence. I did not know what to say. How old was she at this point? Oh, gosh. This was two, three years ago. So she was about 20, 21, away at college. And, you know, I got off the phone. And then, of course, being the go-getter and, like, not believing what I had just heard, I was like, I got to call two more people just to, you know, do the research, do the legwork. And so I called a friend. I got a similar story and I called my aunt, um, similar story, not exact words, but similar story. And so it just hit me that this is what I had been doing my whole life, unbeknownst to me. And even sometimes what felt like at the expense of myself, where I would 
be generous with my assumptions with people, give them the benefit of the doubt, and they would disappoint, hurt, whatever. But I never got jaded in willing in my willingness to do it again with the next person. And that became so freaking clear for me that this is what God has put on you. Because during this whole time and my marriage was falling apart, I had some concentrated chaos in this time. And I feel like that was God's way in the universe of saying what you're doing is not the path that is intended for you. And I needed to be knocked on my ass to to wake up to what that was. And that was my. Do you think he gives us nudges? Like oh, constantly. And then finally, it's like, yes. it's like I'm watching my three littles. I have three year old twins and a five year old. They'll be like, they'll call each other's name. I'm just going to use two of them as, as an example. Davy, 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 Davy. And then all of a sudden, bang. I think God does the same thing. It's like, OK, Absolutely. you weren't listening to me. So I'm just going to give you a good one here. And maybe you'll get the hint that I'm talking to you. Yes. And that's what it was, because like I said, in probably... A little over two, two and a half years. Here's what was happening. The marriage was falling apart. I was in a really bad place emotionally. I spent many a days in my stinky pajamas and my granny panties, curled up in a chair, just lost. In that time frame, my dad, 88 years old, was on his way to work and was beaten in the streets of Chicago and died from his injuries. Oh murdered, murdered. Mm-hmm. And so I was dealing with that, the subsequent um, court proceedings that drug on for years. My mom was diagnosed with colon cancer. And then my youngest was graduating college, you know, my daughter, the preemie, and um, was going to be moving across the country. And then it was becoming apparent that I was going to need to file for divorce. And obviously I hadn't worked, you know, a career in years. What was I going to do? And so that's what I meant by God knocked me on my ass to to really say, Mm -hmm. okay, you have a bigger purpose to live here. And when I discovered on this whole journey, and while I wouldn't wish this on myself or anyone, I am grateful and see the opportunity that really was presented to me that one, during that coach weekend, I discovered this is my gift. I know it from the roots of my hair to the tips of my toes. This is what it is. And then understanding that how I share that is through coaching and not having other women feel like they are alone, be confused or overwhelmed in whatever transition they're going through. And understand that you can have joy in the middle of all this chaos, Mm -hmm. as simple as it may be. There were days where I was a hot mess, hot flaming (laughs) mess, quite frankly. (laughs) Okay, let's just be honest. I still have days where I'm a hot mess, okay? Like, I had to delay our call for a few minutes because the kids toilet papered the dining room. It's it's a holiday year, okay? So... (laughs) There are still days. It might not be me directly, but let me tell you, my house is constantly, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just want my own bathroom. I mean, (laughs) there are those days that I just want to go into the bathroom. This is a transparent look at Kim Sutton, listeners. There are days (laughs) that I just want to go in and like cry because they're just driving me so crazy. I love them to bits. I know you understand this, Rochelle. I love them to bits, but you just need to cry to get the stress out of you. But the second I get in there, sit down, one of them is like, Mama, I got to go be like, are you serious? I just wanted two seconds to cry. (laughs) And sometimes sometimes you just need to cry. Absolutely. And I tell that to my clients all the time. Lean into emotion and take that, you know, even if you set a timer that I'm going to cry about this or that for 10 minutes or take a day to just cuddle up in your pajamas, whatever you need to do. But when we do not lean into emotion, what tends to happen, it's like the tea kettle where it's just bubbling, 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 and eventually it's going to, you know, explode. And it's going to explode at a time that does not serve you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I, I want to go back to your coaching, your program that you went through, because I do have a question for you. Absolutely. Did you go through a certification program? I did. Okay. How do you feel about people? And I'm, I'm being sort of self-serving and asking this question. How do you feel about people who call themselves coaches who haven't gone through a certification program? I mean, you and I both have degrees where we had to go through a degreed program for our initial careers. And mm-hmm. without those degrees, we wouldn't I mean, I guess technically we could have gotten our jobs, but I know in New York State, I could have never called myself an interior designer because I hadn't even passed the licensing exam. So how do you feel about the coaching industry in that at this point, it's not required to go through a certified coaching? Yeah. Thank you for asking that, Kim, because I... While I think everyone has a place and a role to play in how they want to be of service to others, I do feel very strongly that you have to have some type of of training. And here's why. Because a consultant is different from a coach or mentor and or even a therapist even because those people in some respects, like a consultant, they're going to tell you how to do it. A mentor may give you instruction on how to do something, whereas a coach needs to be trained to be a neutral because it's the client that has the answers. And that's how I coach. I'm going to be your partner and I'm going to get down in the hole with you and be with you and support you as you figure it out. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. And I think you do need some training and some tools to help you draw that out. And again, there's nothing wrong with the person who says, hey, I'm going to be a coach and they hang out a shingle. But I do think there is definitely value in getting the education on how best to serve the client because there is a specific way to do that. And Why would particular- you say the difference is between a mentor and a consultant then? A consultant, again, I'm consulting you how to lose, let's say, 10 pounds, or I'm going to consult on how to start your business. They've probably got a process and they, they take you through their process. They, they tell you how to go about it. A mentor is probably one foot in the consulting realm and one kind of like cheerleader, rah, rah, rah. Like, okay, Kim, you want to build this business or you want to lose 20 pounds? Here's what I know can work. So come on, let's try this. You know what I mean? So they're, they're like, Whereas the consultant is not tied to the outcome, they're going to give you the process. The mentor obviously wants you to succeed, is tied to the outcome, and will give you advice. Whereas to me, true coach is someone who, by asking you probing questions and holding space for you while you figure it out, is going to allow you to come to the answers on your own. Because you know your situation, you know your own heart, you know your own spirit better than anyone else. And what drove me crazy when I was first building my business were the the coaches who had, okay, you should be doing and then that didn't feel in line or line with me and what I valued. So guess what? It didn't work. Right. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And I... Okay, this is a shameless plug for something that my team and I are working on, but we're working on the Positive Productivity Pod, which is a group. And up to this point, I've been calling it a coaching program, but I talk way too much. I give answers. Mm -hmm. Like I am not one to wait for somebody to figure it out. If I know how they can make an immediate change or, you know, sometimes my answers aren't right. But I, I struggled with calling myself a coach and I don't want to call myself a coach. But I love the word mentor. You just you just renamed our program. It's <laughs> awesome. a, it's the mentoring program, not the not the coaching program. Yeah, I mean, because because a mentor can, and e- it's even okay if you ask for permission. Like, if I have some knowledge or want to recommend a book or something, I might say to a client, "Hey, Kim, would it be okay if I share with you something that you know another client got from this experience?" And more than likely, you say, sure. And I at least have your permission versus me imposing my will or my way on you. 
That's the difference. I love that. So tell us about the clients that you're working with and what type of coaching you're doing now. Yeah, I work. I really coach my own story. So I work with women who may be experiencing all types of transition, going through divorce, who are empty nesting, a change in career, whether that be leaving the workforce, returning to the workforce. And in my case, it could be A, B, and C, you know, all of this type of stuff going on at one time. And so those are the clients that I work with. And I really love the women who are what I call high performers, no matter what they're doing, they, they're succeeding, whether they're the stay-at-home mom, they're succeeding, whether they are the career woman, but for some reason, they're feeling stuck, out of sorts, overwhelmed, and worried because of either a life-triggering event or some transition that's happening for them. I think it's so fascinating. Sorry to interrupt you again. I think it's fascinating that you used high performer and I'm not trying to critique or anything. No, no, no. Up until just a couple of years ago, I thought the high performer meant exactly what you were just talking about. And I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. And, And I was extremely burnt out. Like I was ready to give up on everything because after the twins were born, I wasn't sleep deprived because of the twins. Listeners, my husband was the one that was getting up like 18 times every night because I can sleep through anything. God bless him. Yeah. (laughs) But I was only sleeping two to three hours a night because I was making all the wrong decisions to try to grow the business, taking on every single client, like undercharging greatly, just Mm -hmm. every single wrong decision. But then I was introduced to Brendan Burchard and his work, and I discovered that higher performance is actually making ourselves our first priority, sleeping, Mm -hmm. saying Mm -hmm. no to those wrong opportunities. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just his interpretation of high performance. And I see so many women, though, that are forgetting and I still do it. I'm not showered yet today. And we're at 1215. And it was on my it it was blocked out in my calendar for seven o'clock this morning, actually for six. Let's just be honest. Get up, (laughs) work out, meditate, pray, shower. Yeah, Yeah, none of that happened. I was still asleep. But, I gotta okay. be. I gotta admit that I needed my sleep this morning. It happens. It does. But <laughs> but there's so many women, me included, who will just. I never really understood the analogy of the the airplane ride when the masks come down, mm-hmm. and yes. we're supposed to put our own on before we put on the other people's. Yep, and that's what I learned on this journey. Mm-hmm. Even the joy, just like when I I actually schedule on a monthly basis, a pajama day, literally. I, and I may or may not shower, but I am in my pajamas. I'm not worried about what's happening in my business. I'm not worried about dishes in the sink, the laundry, the whatever. It is something that I want to do for the day that is going to fill me. So maybe it's binging on Orange is a New Black, for se, or maybe it's catching up on those books or listening to those audio downloads or podcasts that I wanted to, or sitting and coloring in my adult coloring book, whatever it is, but it's something that is, I have downtime doing something that I want to do that fills me up in that moment. And that's on my calendar. Rochelle, where is the secret camera that is looking at my desk right now? I mean, the adult coloring book is on my desk in full disclosure, not because I was using it, but because my littles found it and they were coloring in it. I'm trying to catch up on This Is Us, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm, I've been mm-hmm. putting that on the back burner. Uh, Walking Dead is good this season. Gotta catch up. Oh, I, I'm half a season <laughs> behind from last season. I I, I need oh, to catch girl. up. I know. Wait. I, Wait. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we got rid of cables. So I need to I need to find what like streaming service legal hulu. streaming i think i think hulu has it has okay it. then i yeah, definitely hulu. need to if it's not see i haven't even i have a tv out here in my office with a roku attached and i haven't i, I don't even know where the remote is does that give you an idea of how how recent <laughs> <laughs> how recent i've used it but yeah like we need to give ourselves that i just last night finally put a blocking schedule into full effect in my calendar Green is for client time. Yellow is mm-hmm. for content creation and internal work. Yep. Clients can no longer go into yellow. And i that's actually, I was on a, a meeting right before you and I got on the line with a team member and I showed her. I was like, no more. Podcasts get scheduled in the purple podcast slot. Like, And, and she, she just always put them wherever because that's what I was doing. 
Right. So it's not about her. It's about me. This yeah. is my time. Actually, I was listening. I'm going off on a little tangent again right now, but I was listening to podcast myself last night. I was listening to the Brendan show again, Brendan Burchard, and I felt like I got smacked on the side of the head. He said, all your yeses to other people, those are hours. And the more hours you hand out, the less balance you feel. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I was like, whoa. And I had to tweet it right away because I, oh my gosh, you would think it was Christmas every day with all the hours that I hand out to other people. Mm -hmm. And what I love that you said your colors, because when I started day chunking, so basically Mondays is, is my creative days. Clients and no coaching goes on on Mondays, not mm -hmm. even my own. That is for me to write emails, work on my book, create a program, whatever it is. That's what's happening on Mondays. Tuesdays and Thursdays are client days. So whether that's group calls, individual one-on-one -on -one coaching, Wednesdays morning is networking events. And then I do a live show in my private Facebook group, Wednesday live chat with Rochelle every Wednesday. So that happens at two o'clock on Wednesday. And then Wednesday evening is preparing for the clients for Thursday. And then Friday is kind of like admin networking is kind of a catch all day, depending on what's happening. And when I started doing that, mm -hmm. made a world of difference because you're not in the scramble, right? You're not running around like a crazy person you know, trying to figure it all out and squeeze it all in and standing up eating your lunch and gobbling your coffee. Oh my gosh, yeah. Rochelle, how do you keep things like your inbox or social media from infringing on, let's just say your Monday content creation time? And I don't mean the emails that you're writing to send to your list. I mean, your inbox where, I mean, I would have to assume that sometimes you're getting emails from clients, but just emails from this, that, and every other thing. How do you keep it from controlling you? I don't let it. We are at choice. So Mondays, the rule is you look at your email in the morning. So when, when I quote unquote, walk the 15 feet from my bedroom to my office, uh -huh. check the email. And then that's it. You don't Do you check give it again. yourself just, a time limit for your email? Um, I usually try to keep it under half an hour. If there's something that like is going to require more than that, then I just make myself a tickler in, in my file that I need to follow up here, here and here. And then I usually, you know, sit down every morning and I have a journal. It's called the best self journal. I actually really love this thing because this is a company that sells it because I, you know, had a gratitude journal. I had my list, but this journal is amazing because it allows you to, you know, kind of put in your schedule and I just use it as like my to-do list. And then I can set, okay, what are my goals for the day? I can say, what are my three high value actions that I'm going to get done today? It's like, like I may have 10 things on the list, but if mm -hmm. I get these three things done, then it's a win. And then I have a section for lessons learned because not everything goes the way it's supposed to. And so instead of seeing it as problem, well, what did I learn from that? What's the takeaway? And then I list my wins. And then there's a little section to talk about what you're grateful for. Oh, I love that. Now I want to ask what one accomplishment when you, and it's not an if, it's a when you mm -hmm. reach it this week would make this week absolutely amazing. Oh, finding someone who can set up my Facebook ads for my Divorce and Thriving Summit that is going to drop in November. I don't want to know Facebook. I don't want to do the ads myself. I'm in the throes of doing interviews that are going awesome, by the way, for the summit. And so that's where I want to put my focus. So I want to find someone who I feel like I can trust, who's not going to charge me a small fortune that can get these ads. And so if I get that in place, that will be a win. Mm. And when's your summit? It's November 12th through the 16th. And I'm, you know, in the process of pre-recording these interviews. And oh my God, super, super, I'm blown away. And how, how crazy is it that we think so small? Because when I had this idea about doing a summit, this is the first one I've ever done. I thought, oh, three days, <laughs> 10 speakers. I have 21 speakers. Uh -huh. 
over five days. But it was what was put on my heart. Like, no, here's the story you got to tell about this. I'm not uh, laughing at you. I want you to know that. But I am in the process of planning the Positive Productivity Virtual Summit for next spring. Oh, my gosh. And I'm going through all the same things. Now, I just want to put this out there. She'll be a guest coming up. I'm not sure quite when yet, but I know she's already scheduled. But I was traveling last week. I went through six gigabytes of podcasts while I was traveling. It was amazing. Complete mind blows all all the time. Rachel McMichaels. Mm. At rachelmcmichaels.com does Facebook and she specifically helps with launches. However, in the podcast that I was listening to, I know that she is expecting soon, like December, but that still leaves some time. But you and I both know that things come up early. I know Facebook ads, but I'm not the expert and it's not that's I'm finally getting smart. It's not what yeah. I want to be specializing in. Yeah. I'm and so proud of myself do for that. Not, don't. <laughs> yeah. I, do you know, like it, it just took constraint to say or to keep myself from saying, oh, I can help you with that. I mean, yes, I could, but it's not my zone of genius. And I commend yeah. it to myself. No, yeah, and here, 100%. And here's the thing. When you say no to something, you're actually saying yes to something what's important bigger. to you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I put in the positive productivity Facebook group this morning that I'm not going to be playing 95% anymore. Listeners, by the way, episode, I haven't recorded it yet, but I do record guest episodes out. But episode 511, go back and listen to it because that is, are you playing 95%? Mm. Because if we're playing 95%, that's when we're giving away or even less than that's when we're giving away the time to other people. And Rochelle, I've been playing 95% because I've been so scared about putting out my own stuff that I've been letting it get to 95% completion and then just letting it sit there for years. Yeah. Like my book, my positive productivity mm-hmm. planner, my the pod, the mentoring program that's about to launch. Finally, I, I went through my own two-day coaching intensive this past weekend. They're absolutely amazing. You went through yours. I've gone through mine. We have to do that for ourselves because the ahas are just amazing. And yeah. I, I got fed up. Like I broke down in tears. I'm not a crier. Listeners, my husband cried at my wedding and I did not. But I went up to my room after the first night and I cried because I was I was looking at all those, like the five plus percent that I've just been letting go. Or you may have listened to Perry Marshall's episode before the 80-20 rule. Like that 20% of people has been taking over 80% of my business. No, I need to, that's where the blocking came from. And I'm not doing that anymore. None of us can do it anymore. Yeah. And that's where the good juicy stuff happens in that small little window. Mm-hmm. We don't realize that that's the gooey middle. If we can just, you know, tone out all of the noise and stick to that, that's where where the change, where the leaps forward all of that stuff happens. Absolutely. And, yeah, and people don't don't get there because they're distracted and they give up. Absolutely. And I know we're getting like we're we're approaching an hour, so I want to be respectful of your time, but I do have a one more question about your coaching and what you do. I mean, you you reached out and you asked people how you inspire them. Did you ever find any struggle about coaching and charging for it? And if so, how did you overcome it? I did. (laughs) And it's funny. I overcame that struggle by paying for coaching. I love that. (laughs) Um, I totally understand what you're talking about. Yes. You know, and I I actually, let's see, my regular coach Mimi, my business coach, my writing coach, I've got another business coach for speaking. Yeah, so I have five coaches at, at present that I pay. That's how strongly I believe in coaching. I absolutely think everybody, I don't care from the ditch digger up to the CEO in the boardroom, everyone needs a coach. Absolutely everyone. And that's when I got over, when I, you know, like dug deep and wrote the big check to buy a business coach. That's when I got over the money story. Yeah. I bartered for business coaches early on and I never yeah, got so anything I. out of it because so I, I. I wasn't putting in the full effort either mm-hmm. as the coachee 
or for the services I was providing because it wasn't tangible. Like I couldn't actually see the money. Does that make sense? It's tangible, oh, it makes right total word. sense. But now, I mean, and I remember when I started, maybe it was five years ago, and I've been in business for over six years now. I remember seeing somebody who I looked up to at that point. And they talked about all their different coaches. And I was like, what the heck? Why do you need all those different coaches? Now I have my business coach now. I just actually committed to a speaking coach myself last night. I have a fitness and nutrition coach. We can't forget about the personal, like Mm -hmm. our life coaches so that we're the best version of ourselves physically and nutritionally. Uh This is, that's new for me. Let me tell you, letting go of McDonald's is a struggle. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I think that's, and I'm talking to a sales coach too. So that will be, I think that's five. It might yeah. be four. But it's like, oh, I can finally see. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel still had like a plexiglass clouded wall before mm-hmm. it until mm-hmm. I finally made those investments. And now it's like blaring, bright, glaring, glaring whatever, white yeah. light shining at me. And it's just me and this damn 5% getting in the way. But I bet it's drawing you in. Oh, my gosh. Like, like the, the mosquito you know, the to the bug light. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm going to be zapped with something good. And it's going to be amazing. I won't be dead at the end. Yeah. But yeah. 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 And, and it makes a difference. It does. Absolutely. Rochelle, this has been so much fun. I have enjoyed every single second of it, of our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. And thank you for joining me. I would love to know where listeners can find you online and connect and get to know more. Absolutely. They can go to my website. It is levelup4life.coach.coach. Um, and they can go there. They can get my um, download my three secrets that's going to help them flip the switch around any destructive thoughts that might be going on and that is keeping them stuck and have them overwhelmed. They can grab that and get on our email list to be on the lookout for the Divorce and Thriving Summit, Reinventing Your Life After Divorce. Um, so that's where they can find me. Amazing. Listeners, you can find all of Rochelle's links again in the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp520. Rochelle, thank you so much again. That I mean, I shared with you before we got on that I, every time I feel like there's a lot going on and that I should cancel a call, that's when the big aha comes. And you have proven that that is always the case again today. So thank you so much again. You're welcome. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? I do. I have several, but I'll, I'll give you my my main one and something that I discovered in my own journey is we are always at choice and it is up to us to figure out how we are going to show up and what we're going to choose. And because we are at choice, we get to design our lives and our life events. And whether we choose to show up as victim, that's what we're designing or whether we choose to show up in victory, that's what we're designing. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. (laughs) 